This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He oh, 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 he's the one. Bunty at the 10. Bunty up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston. Wins it. The Bearcats capture their first. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football, a show that is trying a little something new and probably more permanently. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the college editor here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and Texas Basketball. Across from me, across the studio, is our producer extraordinaire, everyone's favorite Mal Pal, Mallory Hartley. Hello, Mallory. Hi. I'm super stressed out right now. Oh, it's <laughs> They were trying something new, and I'm really excited because this is a really cool tool that we're using, and you'll see what we're talking about in just a second, but I'm just focusing on making this, you guys look really good. So. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, trust me, the issue, and this is kind of a behind-the-scenes thing with like whether it's producing or editing or things like that. The things that are going to stress you out are things that like nobody's going to realize. Right, exactly. Right? But I'm just excited to be doing something no, I, like this because I'm. I feel like I'm upping my producing level a little bit, and it's yeah. really exciting. So, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. So let's uh, test out that new feature and introduce our other co-host in Austin, Texas, College Football Insider Woo! Mike Craven. Look at that side by side. Let's go <laughs> visually, Mike. How you doing, man? Good. How are y'all? Good. We are good. We can see you here. You're going to be in your little humble abode there in ATX. <laughs> um, listen, we got we got kind of a, a more relaxed show. Um, you know, we're still not into our postmortems yet. By the way, check out Mike Craven's postmortems on TexasFootball.com, TCU, uh, Texas State up as well. Uh, I'm trying to think. Are those the only two right now? I think so. Yes. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Um, so, yes, check those up on TexasFootball.com. Uh, Texas State just went up today. And, yeah, but we had some uh, kind of big news breaking as we kind of speak. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about uh, TCU. Of course, last episode was kind of about what they did pretty well this year, making a national title game. Craven, you know, getting to see them in, in L.A. And, and Arizona in the semifinal. And... I don't know if they just felt like it was a little bit too much good things going on for them, that they decided to throw a big wrench in everything and the good feelings going on. Um, TCU is set to make an offensive coordinator hire. As we know, Garrett Riley is now at Clemson. Um, Theoretically, you would think that they would have had a wide swath of candidates or potential candidates. And they went with Kendall Bryles, apparently. Um, it's not official yet, but Mike Craven, of course, is uh, did confirm with some sources that that is the direction it is looking. And by any, uh, barring any um, last minute snag or big hurdle, that's going to be the guy. Um, listen, we we've talked a lot about A and M's hiring. Uh, practices right with DJ Durkin last year and then with uh, Bobby Petrino we've we've been very honest when it comes to off field issues um to say the least this is another one of those um Craven I'll let you take it from here but it seems like this is a hire that 
is really, to, to put it lightly, and you wrote an article about this, to put it lightly, very polarizing to the TCU fan base. I, I think divisive is a great way to put it. Um, you know, when Garrett Riley left for Clemson, Sonny Dykes needed to replace not only an offensive coordinator, but a quarterback coach. And he also wanted to stay in the quote-unquote air raid tree. Um, and so that uh, – some names came out, right? Like Seth Luttrell came out originally. But Seth Luttrell's never coached quarterback, so that probably was out. Uh, Graham Harrell was another name uh, that came out. Uh, and he just took a new job. So there was going to be um, some interesting stuff going on there if, if they went that route. And so – you know, there's already two members of that former Baylor staff that we're talking about already on campus, a cornerback coach and a strength and conditioning coach. And I think inside those offices, they see Kendall as, as just another person from that staff. I, I think when you already have two, it's easy to add a third. Um, and it's one of those deals where these coaches, I, I think in a lot of ways, live within their own coaching circle bu uh, bubble. And uh, probably not a whole lot of pushback inside that room about this. It's going to come from outside the room. Uh, but they weathered the storm last year when they added Kaz. And, and so, you know, they'll probably do the same here with, with Kendall. Uh, say that they, they vetted him. He's been at three or four different stops um, since that Baylor staff stuff. And so I think that's their out there. Um, and it's just an interesting choice. Like you mentioned, you're coming af off of finishing second in the, the college football playoff. You got money to spend. Uh, you can go and get almost any coordinator that you want or any coach that you want. And this is where you land. And uh, it just feels a little tone deaf. It, it feels a little divisive. It feels like one of those things that's going to cause a lot of conversations around the program that they don't want. And the thing that confuses me is when you talk to these coaches, they always talk about distractions. We don't want to add distractions. We can't add distractions. We want it to all be about the football. Uh, but then they go out and they do something that adds a distraction. There's no other way to put this. Whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, it's a distraction. And it's going to be a talking point during the spring, during the summer, and during next year. Instead of just how good of a season you had in 2022, you're going to be asked why you hired Art Bry or why you hired Kendall Bryles. Um, and this isn't just any college, right? This is TCU. This is where Art Bryles was probably the biggest heel in modern TCU football history. And they just hired his son and the offensive coordinator off that staff that was so hated by Gary Patterson and the fan base in Fort Worth. And so... Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk on social media. There's going to be a lot of talk around the blogs and the team sites. And I'd imagine the next time Sonny Dykes is in front of a camera and in front of microphones, this is going to be uh, the number one, number two, and number three topic discussed. And I don't know if that's what you want when you're coming off of such a great year going into year two when you're going to lose a lot of your roster and there's probably going to be a little bit of a reset in expectations. Now you're adding this whole storyline to it. Yeah, you, you made a good point when you – when in your in your piece, because you mentioned some of the other names that were involved in this process, um, one other name who was also on that Baylor staff, Jeff Levy, um, was running backs coach, yep. and you know you could also make a similar argument, right, about his connection to that. But it's the last name, right? It's the fact that you're one degree away from the guy who was more or less responsible for that kind of whole uh, uh, debacle and scandal. And honestly, this is his first job back in the state, too. Correct. Kendall Bryles yes. back in the state because it was FAU and then Arkansas. Um, I was like, there might be a job in there I'm missing, but regardless. Um, and the, I guess the other the other interesting thing for me was you're not exactly because I decided to look. You know, he, at FAU, him and Lane Kiffin put together some pretty good offenses, right? And then that's what got him the Arkansas job essentially with with Sam Pittman. And 
if you're TCU, you kind of want to find the next. You theoretically, you'd want to find the next Garrett Riley, right? A Broyles Award winner, um, which of course Kendall Bryles was a Broyles Award winner as well, top assistant. But that was almost ten-ish years ago, right? We're going on almost ten years mm-hmm. with that. Um, you have your pick of the litter, right? We talked about this with the A and M DJ Durkin hire. Sure, there's somewhere in there. Yes, you can justify on the field doing a decent job. DJ Durkin's done a decent job with that defense. Um, to some extent, you wonder how much of that is just plug and play. So you theoretically want to go for somebody who would kind of maximize that, right? Garrett Riley kind of maximized what's uh, um, what Rhett Lashley started and then what uh, Sonny Dykes wanted to continue to do. You kind of wanted to maybe continue on that trend. Arkansas's offenses didn't poach, didn't didn't pierce the top 35. They pierced the top 35 barely, right? I think the highest they got was 33rd. And some of you can say, well, sure, it's Arkansas, and they're not exact. They're kind of still building under Sam Pittman, right? They're not exactly going to get the Alabama talent. It's not exactly LSU. Fair, but in my opinion, there were teams and programs and offenses that were ranked higher when it came to explosiveness, when it came ranked higher when it came to yards per play, touchdowns, things like that. And Arkansas fans weren't exactly thrilled with the offense half the time uh, in when it came down to a lot of those big games. So it's not exactly like you're hiring that dynamo that you just know, right? It's more or less, sure, when he first came on the scene, yeah, that offense was unique, that offense was explosive at Baylor, and you kind of could justify him eventually getting a head coaching job before everything went down. Now... I mean, that's just kind of offense now, right? That's just kind of like more or less, if you're an explosive offense, you're running a variation of that. And yeah, it kind it, 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 it didn't really, I don't know. To me, it just felt like, a, well, we know this guy, he's reliable. And it's not really necessarily a high ceiling hire that you had with a, a Garrett Riley in per se. I don't know if you agree with that. I think it's familiarity. Most of these coaches want familiarity, and he knows the Bryles family. Sonny Dykes has coached with our Bryles before. They come from the same tree. They believe in some of the same things. And so uh, when you're Sonny Dykes and you're trying to trust your baby, which is your offense, to a new person, I think it is easy to kind of you know walk out your front door and look around for something that's comfortable, that's familiar. I think we all do that when we're hiring and when we're surrounding ourselves with friends or coworkers or whatever. And so – uh, inside of his circle, inside of his bubble, I don't think this is viewed as a bad thing, right? Like you go talk to Texas high school coaches and they don't see this as a bad thing. I've talked to other head coaches in the Big 12 about this over the last few days and none of them think that this is going to be anything that hurts them in recruiting or is negative in any type of way. So within the coaching profession, I think this is a fine hire. Arkansas's offense was 86th and scoring offense in 2020. They moved up to 35th uh, by last year. What he's done with K.J. Jefferson uh, and, and helping him kind of become a real pocket passer and somebody who can be a dual threat, I think is is commendable. He's a, he's a fine coach. On the if his name was Kendall Craven and he had been on that staff as the quarterback coach, it's one of those things that we're rolling our eyes and we probably don't think looks all that great optically. But you mm-hmm. get past it. They did with two guys on the staff this year, right? But his name is Kendall Bryles, and that leads to more stuff off the field. Is Art Bryles going to be at TCU practice at some point this year? Right. Like, that's is he going to be around the program? The when it comes to to why I, I don't think he'll ever – I don't want to say ever, it's always hard, but why I think he would never – he hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet, right? Because that's always been the one – that's always been the, the biggest, to me, the biggest hurdle for anybody hiring Kendall Bryles to be a head coach is that you know Art's going to be around. Right. If he's a head coach running a program, he's probably going to be on staff. At the very least, he's going to be around that program. And so 
I don't know. This is his first profile gig back in Texas. As we know, Arbaz was just coaching Texas high school football two years ago, right? And so he's not he's not far right uh i don't know if he still lives in stephenville or not but like he's not his hometown's not far from there and so i don't know right i have no idea if that but but it's a question that sonny dykes is gonna have to answer right like you mentioned in that first press conference he's gonna have to answer questions about why him is art gonna be around and also what vetting process he went through right that's kind of the 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 question that everybody's gonna ask when anybody a jeff levy um, I'm trying to think of uh, Phil Bennett, right? When when UNC, right? That's these are things that everybody's gonna have to answer if you were on that staff. Was what vetting process did you have for them? And I think Sonny Dykes is gonna have an answer, right? Because they'd be dumb not to have some type of answer. I don't know if it's gonna be one that's gonna satisfy people, but there's gonna, you know, like you mentioned, whatever that first practice, spring practice, or whatever, that first time he's gonna be available, he's gonna have to answer eighty <laughs> percent of the questions. Probably not about the team, which is gonna be frustrating, probably for him. And from every TCU fan I've talked to, even the ones that agree with the hire or think that Kendall should be able to go live his life and do whatever and we shouldn't hold anything against him, they're, they're, they just say, why? Like, what is the point of, of adding this, you know, mixture together, right? And so right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, you know, this isn't just a recruiting violation or, you know, something like, I mean, this is this is sexual abuse stuff, you know, and. Uh, on college campuses, we need more people who speak up for women than speak than stay quiet about this type of stuff. And uh, it, the optics of it coming off of the year that they had and the options that they have and the money that they have, it didn't have to be this higher. Uh, and the fact that it is uh, is going to create a lot of conversations that aren't about football. And again, I go back to every coach I've ever known has talked about limiting distractions. And this is a major distraction that's going to hang over this football program going into year two when everything should be rosy, right? When the fan base is ready to jump all on board and be rowing in the right direction and all the stuff that coaches talk about. Now, we're not talking about how you replace Max Duggan or Quentin Johnston or D. Winters or Travis Hodges Thomason. We're talking about... Why they hired our Browse's son as the offensive coordinator. And so, uh, you know, it's just a weird situation that I, I don't think we're going to have any more answers to until the next time Sonny gets in front of a microphone. Uh, but I do, I do want to correct myself. It's his second job back in the state. He was on that Apple White staff at Houston. I, um, I completely forgot about that. So, uh, but regardless, um, still a, a topic that we won't be um, not talking about for this offseason. We'll kind of see how it, how it progresses. Um, with that being said, we had some other topics we wanted to talk about. Mallory, you, you want to kick off the next one? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do this. One's kind of exciting because it, it's a little close to home. But let's yeah. talk about who will compete for a conference championship first. Is it going to be Eric Morris at UNT or GJ Kinney at Texas State? And I am so curious to hear what you guys say about that. Yeah, this one. I mean, this is more or less not even about necessarily the hires as opposed to, like, the conferences that they're in. Exactly. Um, you're right. <laughs> so I wonder, my answer is going to be Eric Morris. Just because. Really? Okay. I think right now, because when you, t when you look at the AAC, you look at the new AAC, it's a, lot, it's a lot more similar to what they're coming from in Conference USA than, I'd say, the, the AAC that we're probably, we're probably familiar with, right? Right you're having to there's probably an upper echelon in terms of smu utsa 
and I'm trying to think, Tulane. Tulane now, probably up there as well. That's three teams that, especially with UTSA, UNT is a year out from being right there with them in the conference championship, right? Right. If you want to say Tulane and SMU are another step away, sure, that's fair. But I think that that gap is easier to close than Texas State having to punch their way, honestly, to the middle of the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, James Madison's come in and add another con- added another contender to that as well. Coastal Carolina, we'll see what they are under Tim Beck, but regardless, their prestige speaks for itself. Right now, facilities-wise, everything is set up for Eric Morris or whoever was going to take that job after Seth Luttrell to take a step into being that on par with SMU. I, I agree on that part. I agree that I think... Eric Morris is stepping into a role that, yes, is set hi- setting him up to be a winner. Mm-hmm. Like the facilities. I mean, you've been in those facilities. I mean, yeah. they're super, super nice. And UNT has put a ton of money into those facilities for a reason. And now they're moving to the Americans. So it's even more, you know, important that they're setting this new coach up for success. So that way I do see it. And I know I don't want to put too much – stock into these new recruits and these new players that are coming but it just seems like there's been and Craven I'll I'll kind of toss over to you it just seems like there's just been so much more hype around the players that are are going to Texas State rather than North Texas if that makes sense to me oh 100 percent uh I think North Texas is going to take a step backwards before they take one forwards just from a talent standpoint there's no way the 2023 roster is going to be as talented man one through man 50 as the 2022 uh, roster was and and i don't think there's anything that leads us to believe that all of a sudden eric morris gets there and they go 10 and 2 and compete for an american championship i think they're going to be a seven six win team Uh, we saw what happened to smu against smu last year and so uh, I, i think they're further away from tulane than Texas State is from an Appalachian State or a Coastal Carolina or even a Louisiana. We've seen with coaching changes and turnovers at those schools that you know Louisiana took a big step back. Appalachian State was beaten by Texas State last year. They were right there. If you look at their their schedule in the Sun Belt, you know they lost by three points, by six points, by one point. Like they were within you know distance of, of beating a lot of those teams already. And that was with an offense that was scoring 21 points a game. You bring in Malik Hornsby, you bring you bring in G.J. Kenny, you bring, bring in Mac Leftwich. And I, I just think that they're capable of getting to the top of the Sun Belt quicker because they don't have any proximity competition, right? Like North Texas good is always going to compete with SU recruiting-wise because they're right down the road. And if we're all being adults here and you have a choice between SMU and North Texas, history suggests you're going to take the places offering $36,500 a year to play, right? Texas State is the only Sun Belt team in the state of Texas. They don't recruit against anybody as their peers. Uh, they have renewed excitement. That staff has proven itself to be a fun place to, to go play. Uh, Kenny's a rising star in the, in the coaching world. I think that they're a year. They can close that gap in a year or two in a way that North Texas can. Right, and not only is North Texas competing with a fellow conference oppo- opponent right down the road. Obviously, now TCU is going to be bringing in those big time recruits more than ever before. You know, we looked at SMU as like a home for these transfer Power Five teams, but now it's going to be TCU as well. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be twice as harder to bring players back there. Sure. And like you're getting in like North Texas is the one thing that we're going to see them do a lot better and that they have done better is recruit DFW. Um, Absolutely. But also that's still you're still kind of trying to squeeze yourself into into a market where you haven't been relevant 
and recruiting wise, right? Like obviously there's room for they should be recruiting DFW, but you're gonna have to squeeze yourself in between SMU and TCU, like you said, because it's like oh these coaches and of course like guys like Gil- Chris Gilbert are gonna help with that, right? Relationships wise, mm-hmm. but you're gonna be walking in the locker room saying, well yeah, SMU offered me like six months ago, you know, right. like right. TCU offered me last week, like you know I've I where have you guys been right mm-hmm. the past couple of years, right? My friend got to go play at SMU. He might have been a te- he might have gotten. Uh, he might have been good with North Texas and gone to them, but it, it, they didn't come. And so it'd be, he's at TCU now or wherever. Um, so that's a good point. You know, that's a that's a really good point. I really didn't think about is kind of how do recruits and how do kids look at Ditton and DFW? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Should we move on to our next? Like, no, go ahead. No, go, ahead go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say what. Y'all are more DFW than I am. How is Ditton viewed in DFW? Does the kid from Lancaster see Ditton as DFW, or is that in the country fifty miles north? Like I, you know, like I, I don't know how much that plays into into it. Yeah, that's a. Good, I mean, that's a good question. But I think, and I think that's hurt in the last couple of years because we don't know, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know if um, the, obviously SMU and the Hilltop is considered Dallas, but like. A couple years ago, right? June Jones wasn't exactly looked at as like, oh yeah, a kid from Lancaster is going to want to go play for June Jones, right? Because he, I don't think they necessarily saw SMU as as Dallas, right? It, it is location wise in Dallas, but that's that's a different class of Dallas. Um, I think where North Texas is going to have to repair their relationships is the fact that SMU has made themselves part of Dallas, right? Sonny Dykes helped make them be viewed as yeah dfw that is triple d dallas that is smu now and north texas i kind of these past couple years have missed that opportunity and Mm -hmm. like you mentioned they are again i would love to 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 talk to kids like this but like i feel like they are be they are seen a little bit as yeah they're yeah they're north of dallas right and i think the next couple years with guys like Owens, Gilbert, and um, I know Zvada's from Houston, but still, even those high school connections, this is their chance to kind of reintegrate that and kind of extend that border of DFW to Denton to include that in there. Yeah, I think it's going to get better. Yeah. It will. It just won't be overnight. No, of course not. And, like, that's kind of how it is with every change. I mean, it's never yeah. going to be just an overnight change. But, okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next sure. topic. All right. Is Baylor or Texas Tech better suited to make a TCU-type run in 2023? Man, Craven, I'm going to let you go on this one because, like, I have two trains of thought when it comes to this. He's smiling a little bit. <laughs> give, me Texas, give me Texas Tech. I think there's uh, real stuff going on to Baylor that's concerning to me, right? Like, I don't know what their quarterback situation is. I don't know if they're bringing as impact players into the portal or in the recruiting trail as maybe they need to be to get back to the Terrell Bernards, Jalen Petries, JT Woods, to Quan Thornton's. I don't see any of those guys on the roster yet, so I don't know how they make that jump from six wins you know, up to 12 or 13 again. Um, I do know how Texas Tech does it, and that's by keeping a quarterback healthy, having a full offseason. Uh, bringing in more recruits, making that talent roster better. They already jumped up to eight wins, and that's with – you know, losing some tough, close games on the road against quality competition. I don't think either of these teams because it was a magical run last year that TCU went on. I, I don't know if like either of these teams start twelve and zero. Uh, but if we're picking a team that could go and play for a Big Twelve championship next year, that may be a dark horse. I think my money would be on Texas Tech more than it would be on Baylor, just because of the momentum right now within the program. 
the talent roster only getting better rather than taking a step back. And I just believe in the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator a little bit more there. There's more continuity. Ron Roberts out at Baylor. They're bringing in a new defensive staff. I know some of those guys have ties uh, to this roster, but still, uh, I don't know if they can just flashpoint that one right back to being a Big 12 contender uh, until they get their quarterback figured out. Uh, I think Texas Tech has two quarterbacks on roster that could go win a Big 12 championship. So for me, Texas Tech kind of enters 2023 the way Kansas State entered 2022 as kind of the real dark horse to win the conference behind Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, your normal uh, you know, kind of teams that usually do it. Because Oklahoma State, probably not going to be as good as they normally are because of their roster exodus either. Yeah, I think my, my two trains of thought were, I think I agree with you with Texas Tech, but it's hard for me just to bet against because I think when you combine the coordinators and the head coaches, I just think Dave Aranda is the best coach when it comes to like everybody, right? If you want him to scheme up a defense, if you want him to, sc- so like in my mind, I was like, ah, man, do I want to count out Dave Aranda right now as that? And I don't think I'm counting him out, but you mentioned it. There are more questions with Baylor, right? There are just more like if the, if he was just to patch together another kind of ragtag group of guys without kind of those elite defenders that we saw in, in 2021, I think, sure, yeah, they'll be fine on defense, but, like, the the limits were – we saw what the limits were of that last year. They were okay, but they weren't great, and they got beat a couple times because of they weren't as elite and stout on that side of the ball. So, at the very least, I think their floor may be low, or higher, I guess I should say, um, because I trust Dave Aranda to basically not have the bottom fall out. Not saying I don't trust Joey McGuire to, to not let that happen at Texas Tech, but I think the variance there, in my opinion, is is, is smaller on Baylor. But I, that also, I think that I think that also means that the ceiling is lower for Baylor because of that. Uh, I think that variance is very, very thin for them. Texas Tech, you mentioned it. I think we're going to talk a lot about guys like Dre McCray for Austin P. Right, coming in as a wide receiver as a potential game breaker. We're going to see a full season of Baron Morton potentially. Um, even if Tyler Shuck comes in and is the starter, he looked fantastic down the stretch. He, if he's healthy and he's the guy, that's somebody like you mentioned. You have two potential conference quarterback, uh, all conference quarterbacks. And then they have guys who maybe didn't make as big of an impact last year as they maybe should have or wanted to. Um, I think we're going to potentially see a bigger breakout season from a, a bunch of guys around there that they acquired in the summer of 22 that didn't really make an impact as much as they want. I think I'm going to go with Texas Tech as well. Um, we don't know what Blake Shapin versus Sawyer Robertson is going to look like, right? I don't know if Sawyer Robertson's that guy that's going to necessarily – make it a tough decision maybe maybe he surprises people and you know he becomes kind of looks more like the prospect that we expected him out of high school um to kind of push baron morton but that's still a lot to rely on and that's still kind of like having to fix a lot you mentioned it richard we, they have some playmakers richard reese is going to be really good but you lose craig williams right we lose you lose squirrel you lose depth and who is going to be who are going to be those guys to kind of elevate their game to kind of help help patch it up because like you said for a team that had a lot of holes last year they haven't exactly patched up a lot like we we have our college football tracker on texasfootball.com and they brought in jake roberts from north texas who's a good tight end like i like that pickup a lot uh mike smith from liberty a linebacker good that's a good pickup as well uh campbell barrington from byu uh there's some familiarity there obviously with mateus and um uh why am i forgetting the offensive coordinator's uh, name already jeff grimes Uh, Jeff Grimes, thank you. Um, and then Sawyer Robertson. But that's it. 
right? There's not they haven't necessarily got that crown jewel of their recruiting class. They lost Austin Novosad to to mm-hmm. Oregon, so that was supposed to be their guy. I I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. A lot of pressure is going to be put on Quaylen Jones to kind of be that number two guy now behind Richard Reese. So yeah, I would probably bet a little bit more on Texas Tech to 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 make that leap. If not in this year, then definitely probably in 24. You know, um, Baylor, like you mentioned, still has too many questions for my liking. If we had to choose two teams right now, mm-hmm. that would be in the Big 12 title game. Who would you choose? Oh God, Texas. Sorry, and Kevin, State. I kind of cut you off. <laughs> Texas, yeah, that's, that's Texas and Kansas State. That's a good man. one. Yeah, I because I want to say Texas just because we're going to be like Craven mentioned on the previous show. We're going to be hyping them up, hyping them up a lot this off season, and then Kansas State's just going to be there. Dude, dude. They've they've earned that right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Sorry, Craven, I cut you off earlier. You could finish your thought. <laughs> Oh, I, I was going to say, I feel like this is a, a very important year four for Dave Aranda. You know, we were all ready to crown him as kind of the sure. next great college coach uh, in football after that 12-win season in 2021. But you look at it, and they went 2-7 and seven his first year. They won 12 wins, won 12 games this next year, and then they went 6-6 six and six last year in the regular season, right? And so uh, two losing seasons, if you include the bowl game over his three He's going to have to prove it. He can do it with his players and get back to that level of performance in the Big 12. Or Baylor's going to get restless, especially with TCU having the year they had this year. If Texas Tech takes another step forward next year and wins nine or ten games, 11 games, competes for the Big 12, Baylor's going to look around and go, we're falling behind here, uh, and they're going to have to have some real conversations behind the scenes if, if that happens year four again uh, for Aranda. Yeah, that's a good point. You're gonna have we're gonna have some big discussions about Matt Rule's guys versus Dave Aranda's guys um, yep. going forward. I will say, 2023 is not gonna do them any favors, but they haven't released the Big 12 schedule yet. But we're we're obviously pretty decently intrigued by Texas State. I'm not saying they beat them, or they lose to them, but like that's gonna be an interesting game at the very least. But then they got Utah. Utah comes to town. Mm-hmm. Like that's gonna be a fascinating game, and we saw how concerned we were against BYU. Right. If if Utah comes in in McLean and slaps Baylor around a little bit, which we know Utah can do to anybody, um, we're gonna have some. We're gonna. They might. They might be another talking point heading into Big Twelve play like they were this year, where we're like, ah, oh, maybe this team is probably a little bit worse than we thought. So, yeah, that's uh, another one to watch out for. Mallory. I think that was it. Is that that was it? We just chose those three today. All righty. Yeah, no, that was good. I mean, we had uh, – I think we wanted to test out a little bit of this technology too, uh, mm-hmm. have a little bit of a discussion, free-flowing. But we did have some pretty big news, like you mentioned, with the Kendall Brawl stuff. Um, of course, we'll keep you updated on that. You know, it should be official-ish soon, like uh, Craven was able, was able to confirm it. Everybody else is confirming it. It's more or less imminent, so we'll have that ready to go on textfootball.com. Um, any more thoughts as well? Like I said, go check out Craven's piece about kind of the, the TCU fan base and kind of how polarizing they've kind of reacted to that once it became obvious that he was going to be the hire. So, uh, yeah, Craven, anything else? Uh, nope. Nope. I, I think it's uh, it's just another example that the off season is the season in so many ways, right? Like, yeah. you know, you get to the finish line of the national championship game, you know, January 9th happens and it's like, whoo, okay, can breathe a little bit. And then now Kendall Riles, Kendall Bryles is hired as the offensive coordinator at TCU and we're right back to it, right? And so uh, never stops. 
Uh, shout out to Greg Powers. Uh, yes. Coming yes. full time on the recruiting beat. I know they covered that on Texas Football Today, but wanted to give him a shout out. I think that's really going to round out our college coverage and add something uh, to this podcast and to the website that, that hadn't been there previously. Yes, I will also close out by saying welcome to our new college football recruiting coordinator, editor, however you want to put it. I don't know. We're, we'll figure out titles later. Um, <laughs> regardless, full-time Greg Powers now here at TexasFootball.com. Be sure to check out his recruiting stuff. For those of you that do not know, all those back-end recruiting pages, all that stuff, interviews, that's all Powers. Like That's all what he's been doing on a part-time basis for this whole time. We're going to have that completely redone. He's part of the college football staff now, so he'll probably be on ROF sometimes, right? Yes. Um, signing day is going to be a big day for us coming up. Uh, Absolutely. We're going to be gearing up. I mean, it's camp circuits are going on now. It's going to be big, um, and I'm very excited. So, yeah, definitely glad to have him on for his, his first official day-to-day joining us. And uh, we're not done. That's all I'll say. We're not <laughs> done. <laughs> so we'll leave it there. Uh, we want to go ahead and thank – the 13 i always screw up the all the hires now because there's like Craven, you gotta help them out every single yeah, time every single time how many hires have ten. How many coaches? Ten. 10 okay 10 <laughs> of the 13 fbs programs in the state now shout out sam houston state for jumping up into the fbs ranks uh jimbo fisher please give us a call because congratulations you no longer made the most awkward coordinator hire of the offseason <laughs> At least not this year, so we'll see. <laughs> so you can come talk about uh, Bobby Petrino and how great of a guy he is by comparison. Um, so anyway, go Rutgers. That'll do it for us. We'll be back next week.